to all our first-time visitors, you are welcome. To connect with us, follow us on all our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For tithes and offerings, please use the mobile money and account number on your screen. Covenant Nations Church, for the kingdom. Good morning, CNC family, and all of our friends that are joining us for our Sunday morning online service. I want to thank you all for making the time to be a part of this service this morning, and I pray that the Lord will bless you as um, we fellowship together. I just had a, a word from the Lord this morning from Psalm 30, verse 5, which just says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And I just uh, had a sense that we have gone through a long season of, of darkness, a long night. But I want us to take courage, to be encouraged that that long night is coming to an end and daybreak and a new day is at hand and there is joy that is coming in the morning. So I just felt the Lord encourage me and, and, and want to encourage you also this morning. Today we are continuing with our topic we have been on a journey of discovery these last couple of weeks on our topic called Jesus is Africa. So this, uh, today we'll be looking at Jesus is Africa part five. And in particular, we're going to look at the Edomite spirit or the spirit of, that is behind corruption. We thank God for dealing with the roots of slavery in our last session. My husband and I are farmers and we know that once you uproot a plant, the fruit will eventually dry up because you have cut off the roots that nourish and sustain the fruits. In the last sessions, I shared how the Lord had shown me that the root of corruption was the same root uh, of slavery, behind slavery, which was the Esau spirit. And I shared about this in our last session, Jesus is Africa, part three and part four. If you haven't heard that, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that because it will help you understand what we're going to talk about today. Dealing with slavery um, is a process, the roots of slavery, and we will have to have more and more teaching in the body of Christ and identificational repentance. It is not just a one-time event, it is a, is a process, and I believe that there will have to be more and more repentance on a larger scale within the body of Christ in Africa and also with our brothers and sisters of African descent around the world. So I encourage you, wherever you're hearing this message, to begin to share it with other believers. Uh, if you're living in another country, outside Uganda, uh, if you're in the diaspora, I would encourage you to share this message widely with um, African communities and also uh, people uh, of African descent, wherever, wherever they are. Today, I will be looking 
at the fruit of of this root which is the sin of corruption i will not spend much time going into the history of post-colonial africa because i feel we all know our basic history of our countries and we all know that corruption is something that all african countries have faced and and continue to face and continue to to grapple with but i have a, a question a quick question is corruption an african problem do other countries deal with corruption or is it uh, particularly endemic in africa and what is corruption a dictionary definition just simply says it's a dishonest or fraudulent uh, conduct or behavior by those in positions of power or authority typically involving bribery now we want to look at this on the full scale now it could be at a, at a low level somebody at a, a lower level of authority or somebody at a very very high level of authority and power at whatever level it is it is still corruption corruption isn't an african problem alone all countries deal with corruption on some level whether it's china india russia south american countries europe uh, and the us um i remember reading a book many a couple of years ago by thomas friedman called the lexus and the olive tree and in this uh, book he was to- the author was talking about the problem of corruption or he called it a kleptocracy where countries are really corruption riddles the whole system and he told a funny story which i'll just share with you about two ministers who are visiting each other one was an african minister and one was a, an indian minister so the african minister visits the indian minister in his home and he sees this lavish home and lifestyle that his colleague the indian minister you know is living and he it's just it just really boggles his mind he can't understand so he asks him finally how do you manage this lifestyle on your salary because i know we that we get roughly the same salary so how do you manage this you know just lavish extravagant lifestyle so the minister um you know looks around and then he sort of whispers to him he points to a half built bridge in the distance and he says you see that bridge over there in the distance and he points at himself with a smile and he says 50% which just means that the half built bridge is half built because 50% of the budget of the bridge uh, was taken by this minister to you know you know to 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 give him this extravagant life so the african minister you know nods you know understanding and says okay i you know i i i get it so a year later the indian minister visits the african minister in his home in his country now and he finds that his african colleague is living an even more extravagant lifestyle than he is you know lavish home and cars and you know very very um extravagant lifestyle so he is just you know amazed and he say he looks at him and he asks his his colleague how are you able to to live this lifestyle when you're you know you're just on a on a, on a small uh, minister's salary the african minister uh looks at him knowingly and smiles and then points to a maram road in the distance so this road is not tarmacked it's just a maram road and he points to it and he says you see that highway over there and the indian minister says i don't see any highway at all there's only a dirt road the african minister smiles and points to himself and says 100% which just means that 100% of making the highway the budget for making the highway has gone into corruption and into giving this 
leader, this person in authority, this outlandish, extravagant life. So it is, it is a joke, it is funny, but it, it, it actually shows that this is a reality that we deal with on a, on, a, on a daily basis in Africa, whether it's on a very high level, like that a story is telling, or if it's on a low level, if it's just a policeman on the road, or if it's somebody in an office, whatever level, whether high or low, it is the same problem and there's the same spirit behind it. Whereas the problem of corruption isn't specific to Africa, I believe that the spiritual roots of the sin make it more endemic to Africa and therefore more difficult to fight in the natural. It, it is a spiritual problem that must be dealt with in the spirit realm first and that is what we're, we're doing and what we're sharing today. I'll just start with a, a testimony. A few years ago, the Lord called us uh, in CNC to do an outreach in Buikwe district. Buikwe is a district in Uganda, central uh, part of Uganda. I had a dream of somebody saying, come and help us. And uh, the Lord showed us specifically that this, this call was coming from this district in Buikwe. We organized an outreach program with the local pastors, and I invited the leader of our National Fellowship of Born Again Churches in, in Uganda, Bishop Joshua Lwere, to be a guest speaker during that outreach. It was a three-day conference. On the first day, we learned from the people attending the conference that one of the problems in the district was cannibalism. People were being abducted and eaten by other people. It was quite common. Of course, I was horrified and didn't know how to respond to this news. I didn't know how to, I was grappling with how do you deal with such a, a, a problem? What, how do you um, deal with it spiritually? Um, that night, the first night, I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw a dead animal that was rotting or putrefying under the ground. It was very close to the ground. It was just under the surface of the ground and it was red in color. I asked the Lord what the animal represented, and he answered, the Edomite curse. Now, the Edomite curse talks about the perversion between human relationships, such as tribalism, racism, domestic violence, abuse, murder, anything that is a perversion between human relationships, between you and somebody else. That that the Edomite curse encompasses that. So the next day, I started by repenting. Uh, the next day of the conference, I started by repenting for my own prejudice on hearing about people who are cannibals and practicing witchcraft. I confessed that personally, I had felt that these practices were primitive and backward. And in a sense, I, I had a prejudice towards the people and thought that the people who are doing this must be you know, very backward or, or primitive or... And in, in a way, unknowingly, I had uh, disdained or had disdain for them. God showed me that I had my own internal prejudice that I needed to repent of. As I began to repent to the people attending the conference, it opened the door for a wave of repentance, tears and confession from the community. Some had had bitterness and resentment against others that lasted even more than 20 to 30 years, based on differences in tribe, many as far back as the time of 
of civil war in Uganda. So communities from uh, Baganda against uh, other tribes, uh, Banyaranda who are in the, who are living there, people from the east who are living in, in so there was so much latent tribalism that was just simmering under the surface. And when we began a repentance, it was just a wave of 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 confession and tears and, and just sharing the bitterness and the long-held animosity and resentment towards each other. There were people even who came and there was a lady I remember who came and repented to me, saying that she, she had deep-seated animosity towards me and towards my own family, and that even when she heard that I was coming to have a conference there, she just wanted to come because she hated me so much. And I remember we knelt down and we cried and we repented towards each other. And the Lord showed through that experience, after we spent hours and hours on the ground, weeping and crying out to God for forgiveness, God's Spirit was poured out mightily. There was a river of healing, of restoration and forgiveness. God dealt with the root cause of the sin defiling the land and healing and restoration flowed. So what we saw as the defilement in the community, cannibalism and all these things that were on the surface, but the true root behind it was something completely different, it was a spirit of tribalism. And once the Lord showed us the root of that and we dealt with that, and that, and that root was in all of us, it was not only in the community in Bwikwe. There was healing, there was restoration that flowed freely. And whenever we hear about Bwikwe today and whenever we visit, we hear such good news of the strides that the community is making, of the development that is coming, you know, the progress. And so we thank God that he dealt with the roots that were defiling the land. I learned that time that how we relate to each other can greatly defile and bring curses into our lives and into the land. So what is the Edomite curse? What does it mean? What does it speak of? The Edomites were the descendants of Esau. Remember, in our last session, we talked about the Esau spirit, the last two sessions, the Esau spirit. Esau was the brother of Jacob, the twin brother. He was the firstborn, and he sold his birthright to Jacob in that transaction. He sold what was eternal for what was temporal. The Edomites were the descendants of Esau, and they had great animosity, hatred, resentment, bitterness towards the children of Israel or the descendants of Jacob, who were in essence their, their brothers, their you know distant relatives. At every turn that they could, they fought against Israel many times and always allied themselves with those who were enemies of Israel. Uh, the Edomites lived in, in Mount uh, Seir, God had given them their inheritance even before he gave the children of Israel their inheritance. God ensured that all the descendants of Abraham had their own lands and he did not allow the Israelites to invade those lands even when they were possessing the land of Canaan. If you look at the, the conquest of Canaan in the book of Joshua, you'll see that God forbade the children of Israel from uh, fighting against the, uh, the, the descendants of Esau, the Edomites, he, forgave, he forbade them from fighting or dispossessing the Moabites and the Ammonites who were descendants of Lot because God saw them as, as brothers. How do you dispossess your, your brother? So the Edomites, God gave them their inheritance 
um, the Edomites were the descendants of Esau, the Moabites and the Ammonites were the descendants of Lot, who was the relative of Abraham, also got their inheritance. And God said, do not disturb them, do not meddle with them, do not enter into their land. So God respected uh, the relationship of, of brotherhood, of being in essence connected, even though this is generations have passed, 400 years, uh, many years have passed. These people don't know each other, they are not uh, close, but God respected the origins uh, of this family and said, these are your brothers, do not um, meddle with them, do not disturb them. But the Edomite curse comes into effect over the generations as the Edomites and the descendants of, of Esau continue to have this, to harbor this bitterness, this resentment, this, in essence, tribalism, because tribalism is um, the hatred of the other, what you consider the other person, the person who is not part of your, you know, clan or family or, or group, ethnic group. So the Edomites possessed that. They, they had a deep animosity, hatred, uh, resentment towards the children of Israel who were their distant relatives. And we see this in the book of um, Obadiah, chapter 1, verse 6 to 15. If we were to do a study to look at all the Edomites, in the, in the biblical uh, account, you'll see that oftentimes they were those who fought against Israel. Uh, going up until the New Testament, uh, King Herod was an Edomite. King Herod, who sought to kill the baby Jesus, was a descendant uh, of, of Esau and, and, and the Edomites. And so you see that, they, that that feud continued and strengthened throughout the generations until even in the life of Jesus, a son of God, there was an Edomite who was uh, seeking his destruction. Obadiah, the book of Obadiah, chapter 1, verse 6 to 15, it's talking about the judgment that was coming against uh, the Edomites. How are things of Esau searched out? How are his hidden treasures sought out? All the men of your confederacy have brought you on your way, even to the border. The men who are at peace with you have deceived you and prevailed against you. They who eat your bread have laid a snare under you. There is no understanding in Edom. Will not I in that day say, says the Lord, destroy the wise men out of Edom, the men of understanding out of Mount Esau? And your mighty men shall be dismayed to the end that everyone from Mount Esau will be cut off by slaughter. For the violence you did against your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aloof from your brother Jacob, on the day that strangers took captive his forces and carried off his wealth, and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were even as one of them. But you should not have gloated over your brother's day, the day when his misfortune came, and he was made a stranger. You should not have rejoiced over the sons of Judah in the day of their ruin. You should not have spoken arrogantly in the day of their distress. You should not have entered the gate of my people in the day of their calamity and ruin. Yes, you should not have looked with delight on their misery in the day of their calamity and ruin. And you should not have reached after their army and their possessions in the day of their calamity. And you should not have stood at the crossway to cut off those of Judah who escaped. Neither should you have delivered up those who remained in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your dealings will return upon your own head. So in this account, the Lord is judging Edom 
basically for the sin of not being their brother's keeper. What God is saying here is that it displeased him that Edom, who were the distant relatives of uh, of Jacob of the Israelites, rejoiced and relished in the calamity, in the misery, and even allied themselves with the enemies of Israel. He said, you did violence against your brother, and because of that, shame shall cover you. You stood aloof from your brother when he was under attack. You took the side of the enemy against your brother. You rejoiced at the problems of your brother. You sought to benefit from their problems. You did not help Jacob in the time of their trouble. And it's not that you didn't, you didn't help, you just didn't help, but you, you actively fought against your brother. Eventually, Edom is completely cut off and the descendants of Esau are wiped off the face of the earth. What starts with the Esau spirit of selling his birthright develops into the Edomite curse in his descendants, which is a perversion of human relationships between brothers. What God expected was brotherhood. What the Edomites did was tribalism. Edom were the brothers of the Israelites, but instead they wished them ill and worked actively for their downfall. They stood aloof from the pain of their brothers and allied themselves with their enemies to destroy them. So what does that mean in the context of Africa? If the Esau spirit is the root of slavery, the Edomite curse is a manifestation of corruption. So how does tribalism work? To do violence against your brothers. And your brothers simply means that all the people in your, in your nation are considered your brothers. Remember, from the beginning, we were looking at Acts chapter 17, verse 26, which says God determined the boundaries of our habitation. So in, in, in God's eyes, he sees Africans all as brothers, just as he saw the Edomites and, 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 and the Moabites and the and the Ammonites and the, and the Israelites as, as brothers, as people from the same family. So even though they, they didn't worship God, it was only the children of Israel who had that covenant, but their relationships, uh, God intended that they should be governed by a sense of, of brotherhood. And that's why he said, do not invade them. But to see people in the context of, of tribes and see the other as not your brother, simply because he's from another tribe, or so he has, speaks another language, or has a different um, background. To stand aloof from your brothers, to wish to gain from the uh, calamity or the problems of your brothers, to rejoice at the misfortunes of your brothers. God sees that uh, as sin, and he judges that. Tribalism, you should not have sold out your brothers to their enemies. Now, Selling out our brothers is not only in the context of slavery when there was actual selling uh, of people, but in in the present day uh, situation, it is selling of of what belongs to your brothers. When you use, when you misuse the resources of of, of the nation or the resources of the community for your own or for your own personal or for your own uh, private benefit, then you are selling out your brothers. Corruption pits brother against brother. It makes enemies of brothers. One group of people or one quote-unquote tribe are made to benefit because of their access to power. The people who are close to the power 
are considered to be the legitimate beneficiaries of the resources, and all others are seen as, quote-unquote, the other, or the outsider, or the other tribe. This means that if a person is in a position of authority or influence, he will use that position to further the goals of a specific group of people he considers, quote-unquote, his own, at the expense of the others. So if we look at it in context of Africa, if you look at South Africa, there will be the, the Zulus versus the others. And if, if the leader or the minister or whoever is in authority is a Zulu, it, it will be the Zulus versus the others. In Nigeria, you have the, the Yoruba. If it's the Yoruba who is in authority, it will be Yoruba versus the Hausa or the Southerners versus the Northerners. If it's in Kenya, whichever uh, tribe you're looking at, the Kikuyu versus the Luo. In South Sudan, before independence of South Sudan, it was the North versus the South, the Arab versus the African. Today, with uh, the new nation of South Sudan, it is now the, the tribalism or the, the other is the Dinka versus whoever the other is. In Uganda, with so many different uh, tribes, it could be the Baganda versus the Acholi or Banyankore versus Banyoro or Bagisu or whatever. It always pits one group against the other. On another level, the definition of the tribe can be people who are not necessarily of the same ethnic, you know, makeup or background, but who have the same beliefs, their beliefs or values or ethos. Sometimes the Edomite curse brings together a group of people who may not necessarily have the same background in terms of ethnicity or clan or language, but they are united by the same beliefs, the same values, the same culture. Therefore, the Edomite curse unites them to do wrong, even though they are not necessarily of the same ethnic background, but they are united in their belief. They are brothers in that they believe the wrong thing, and they use that unity to strip away the, the rights or the benefits that are due to their brothers, the larger community. Um, we saw this in the, in the context of the East African revival, and this is now on, in the, on the side of the kingdom, where the, the culture of the kingdom supersedes or overshadows the culture of, uh, you know, the natural culture. In the East African revival, people from different tribes or nationalities became one. They would call them in Luganda or Woluganda, which just means, you know, a person from the same uh, family or clan or you're one, you're, you're, you're united. In Nyankore, they would say Oweshemwe, which just means we have the same uh, father. And so you see that the power of the saving grace of God, the power of salvation, made people of vastly different backgrounds brothers. And they would sing one song and they would have one culture. And wherever you would go, you would look for your brother, and your brother didn't mean your, your, your actual natural biological brother or even your relative, but it meant the person who is of the household of faith. So you see that on the positive side in the kingdom, the culture of the kingdom, the, the, the gospel, unites people as brothers who, who may not have any biological or even, you know, uh, tribal, ethnic background connection. The culture of the kingdom, the family of the kingdom supersedes or overshadows all others. On the negative side, in the kingdom of darkness, there are people who are united to do evil even though they are not brothers. And we see that in, in cults, 
Uh, we see that in uh, secret societies like the Freemasons. Um, they are brothers. So you may be looking at somebody and thinking, oh, this is my, uh, you know, my Ugandan brother. But uh, in, in truth, the loyalty of this person is to some other group or some other authority. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, talks about woe to those who call what is good evil and what is evil good. I'm just going to read that for you quickly. So Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent and shrewd in their own sight. Woe to those who are mighty heroes at drinking wine and men of strength in mixing alcohol, who justify and acquit the guilty for a bribe, but take away the rights of the innocent and the righteous from them. So this is basically saying that woe, and woe is just the, the greatest form of um, judgment and, 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 and curse. So it basically says, cursed are those who call what is good evil and what is evil good, who exchange light for darkness and darkness for light, who acquit the guilty for a bribe, who basically do the wrong thing and take away the rights of the innocent. So here the Lord is, is basically speaking and condemning those who call what is evil good and what is good evil. And when you see with the context of Africa and corruption, there is a general acceptance that if you know how, as long as you can get away with it, and if you know how to uh, work the system, so to, so to speak, or if you know how to use the system for your benefit, then you are wise, then you are shrewd, then you are smart. There is an acceptance of evil, of, uh, and there is even a calling of sin or, or evil good and of good evil. And here the Lord is saying, woe and, and cursed or greatly uh, judged are those who, who do that, who exchange what is good for what is evil and who exchange what should be a blessing for the many into the taking away of the rights for, for the innocent. So here you see that God is, is judging that spirit. He's saying, no, that's not right. Just because you are calling it right doesn't make it right. Because there's a general uh, acceptance of, of evil doesn't make it, doesn't make it right. And therefore, with the Edomite spirit, with corruption, first of all, there is, the accept, there, there is the notion of who is my brother, who is the person that I'm supposed to watch out for. And, and God is saying, no, no, it's not, it's not the person who is your relative or the person who is related to you. He says that I see you all as brothers. And then corruption specifically, he's saying, you, just because you think that you, you call something good, it doesn't make it good. If something is evil, if something is wrong, if something goes against the, the rights of, of innocent and, and of the innocent, the, the many, then it is evil and it is, it is judged. We're going to begin uh, closing and we're going to uh, pray. But I want to, to look at the restoration because we are, we've looked at the, the Edomite curse as the, the fruit of this Esau spirit. But I want us to look at the restoration. Genesis chapter 15, verse 13 to 14. God prophesied to um, Abraham and he said that your descendants would go into, into Egypt and would be enslaved for 400 years. Uh, cha chapter 15, verse 13. And God said to Abraham, Know positively that your descendants will be strangers 
dwelling as temporary residents in a land that is not theirs. And they will be slaves there and will be afflicted and oppressed for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on that nation whom they will serve, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. So the 400-year gate of time was a, a, a unique gate of time. And the Lord said he would bring them out and he would judge the nations that have, that have enslaved them. But he also says he will bring them out with great possessions. Now what is interesting is uh, what happened, you know, 400 years later at the time of Passover, is in the space of one night, there was a transfer of wealth from Egypt to the, the children of Israel who were coming out of, of bondage. Why was there a transfer of wealth? Because the children of Israel had been working as slaves. That means they were working without pay, without benefits, without any labor or, or wage or hire for 400 years. But in one night, in the space of one night, the wealth of Egypt was transferred from Egypt to the children of Israel. What does that mean for Africa in this gate of time, this 400 gate of time? Because we were talking about how we are living in this gate of time, it is 400 years since the beginning of this slave trade, since the beginning of the slaves going into the Americas. What does that mean? Is there the same wealth transfer, the transfer of, of the wealth that has been stolen or, or held back from people of African descent and, and African nations? I want us to look at James chapter 5, verse 1 to 4, and we'll read that. So James chapter 5, verse 1 to 4 says, Come now, you rich people, weep aloud and lament over the miseries or the woes. Remember, Isaiah was talking about woe to you. The miseries that are surely coming upon you. Your abundant wealth has rotted and is ruined, and your many garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are completely rusted through, and their rust will be testimony against you, and it will devour your flesh as if it were fire. You have heaped together treasures for the last days. And we can all agree that we are living in the last days. But look, here are, are the wages that you have withheld by fraud from the laborers who have reaped your fields, crying out for vengeance. And the cries of the harvesters or the laborers have come to the ears of the Lord of hosts. And in another, the Lord of hosts is in, in the Hebrew Jehovah Sabaoth, or the Lord of hosts, the Lord of, of heaven's armies. So here it's saying a number of things. It's very uh, packed with a lot of, of truth. Those who have gotten wealth fraudulently, those who have gotten wealth in the wrong way, whether it's through slavery, whether it's through corruption, that you should weep, that they should weep. Their wealth will testify against them. The wealth is testifying against them, saying that you have gotten this uh, wealth fraudulently. You have gotten it through the wrong way. And it's saying that woes and miseries are coming upon you. What is woe or misery to somebody who is rich and who has gotten wealth fraudulently? It is that that, that wealth is going to, to leave you. It's going to be transferred. The wealth will testify against you. Then it goes to say that the wages that have been held up fraudulently, your gold and your silver have been rusted. Look, here are the wages that you withheld from by fraud from the laborers. That just means that God's word is settled. It stands. God's word says the laborer is worthy of his wages. Therefore, if you have held back the, the wages from the laborer, whether it's 400 years, however long you have held it back, there comes a day of payment. 
And I want to just declare in the name of Jesus that a payday is here. The labor whose wages have been held back fraudulently, whether it's through slavery or through corruption, payday is here in the name of Jesus. And it says that the cry of the, the laborer who reaped your fields, it's crying out for vengeance. And the cry of the laborer has come to the ears of the Lord of hosts. And that just means that the, the cry of the laborer has come to the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies, the Lord who is in charge of heaven's armies. And therefore, it is a, it is a, it is a, a, a fearful thing to be in the hands of God. And therefore, there is misery, misery and there is woe coming upon the unjust systems of the world, coming upon the fraudulent systems of the world. Therefore, those who have profited fraudulently from these evil systems, whether it was slavery or corruption, that there is misery and there is woe because there is a wealth transfer that is coming and it is up to the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies. I believe in this season, the Lord of hosts, the cry of the laborers has come to the ears of the Lord of hosts, and the Lord is judging the unjust systems of the world, the unjust practices, and there is misery and there is woe that is coming on systems and on people who have gained and profited in fraudulent ways in Africa and from Africa, whether it is through slavery, whether it is through the unjust systems that have been propagated in Africa since slavery, whether it's through colonialism and neocolonialism and even to today, that the whole unjust system, the whole evil system, that there is judgment and there is war and there is a great wealth transfer coming. The biblical view, if the Edomite curse is the perversion, what is God's perspective? How does God want us to see ourselves? How does God want us to relate to each other? Genesis 4, verse 9 to 10. God asks Cain, Cain and Abel were brothers. God asks him, where is your brother? And Cain answers, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And so you see that God expects that brotherhood, being someone's brother, means that you are, you are concerned for their welfare. You, you cannot rejoice at their calamity. You cannot profit at their expense. He asks Cain, where is your brother? Meaning, how is your brother doing? And therefore, I believe that God wants us to have a concern for each other, a concern that I cannot benefit at your expense and I cannot rejoice at your calamity. Malachi chapter 2 verse 10 says, God is our father. God is the father of us all. And therefore, do not deal treacherously. Do not deal treacherously. Do not betray your brother. Do not betray the interests of your brother. Matthew 12 verse 46 to 50. Um, Jesus was talking about those who are his brothers and sisters were not merely the people in his family. The, those whom he considered his brothers and sisters were those who obeyed the will of his Father in heaven. That just means that brotherhood is not, uh, in God's perspective, it's not just about those who are related to you. It is a, a larger view of those who are uh, under the will and the purpose of God. Matthew 23 verse 8 says, You are all brothers. And finally, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11 says, We have one father. On one end of the spectrum, in, in the perversion is the Edomite curse, where you have no concern, no care for your brother, and even actively work for his destruction, for his um, calamity, or his demise. And on the other side, God's perspective is, you are your brother's keeper. And therefore, if there's something 
that you are doing that will hurt or affect your brother negatively, God is displeased with that and God eventually judges that. We're going to pray. We're going to pray because I believe that dealing with the root of issues helps us to, to not just deal with the symptoms or the manifestations. And I believe that the, the root and the true spirit behind corruption, as we talked about slavery in the last session, it is that Edomite spirit. It is the, the, the pitting of brothers against brothers. And for us to deal with that, we can't just look at the symptoms and try to mitigate the symptoms. We have to look at the spirit behind it. Why do we do that? Why do we behave that way? And from the word of God, it's showing that Edom behaved that way because they were not each other, their brother's keepers, because they hated their brothers. And therefore, why do we have corruption in our, in our society? It's because we see each other as different. We see each other as, as the other. And therefore, to deal with that spirit of corruption, we have to see ourselves through God's eyes. And the way God sees us is we are all brothers and we have one Father. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we bless your name for all that you are to us, our Father and our God. We thank you for all that you are revealing in this unique gate of time that we are living through. We thank you for this day of visitation for the African people. And just like the children of Israel, you promised to bring us out of bondage with great possessions. Today, we repent of the Edomite curse, of not being our brother's keepers. Forgive us for the sin of tribalism that pits brother against brother. Father, we have borne the judgment of this curse for so long. And so today, we want to repent and renounce this sin in Jesus' name. May you break the hold of tribalism that empowers corruption in Africa. Father, we also want to bring our petitions before you for the 400 years of back payments for the labor of Africans sold into slavery and all the unjust systems that have been propagated in Africa since then. James chapter 5 verse 1 to 4 says, says the cry of the laborer has come to the ears of the Lord of hosts. So we pray that all the payments of labor, of resources due to Africa and Africans will come to Africa in a great wealth transfer in these times. We ask that you will break all the illegal agreements, all the illegal covenants and contracts that exist for the sole purpose of robbing Africa of her wealth. We ask that wherever the wealth of Africa has been stored up these 400 years, whether it is in secret vaults around the world, or in bank accounts, or in companies, or in any kind of organization or system, that today we announce in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that the wealth of Africa must return to its rightful owners in Africa in Jesus' name. Finally, Father, we ask that you will raise up a company of Josephs in Africa, men and women who are anointed with the wisdom of God to administer the wealth of Africa for the good of all men and to the glory of your name. We pray all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Bye.
Bayeti Gonyama Yezulu Bayeti It means Oh hail the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. 